the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight. We've got a lot to cover. Been waiting, 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 waiting for weeks. Could even be a month or more for our guest in a few minutes. Uh, This gentleman has an incredible story uh, and story of life. And we'll talk with him in just a few minutes. I can't wait. I'll, do, I'll, I'll tell you more. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, story of life. Pro-life. I guess it was about a month ago around the March for Life here in uh, Washington, D.C. when I saw this gentleman give a speech on video on YouTube and um, realized I have to have him on. So um, we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. And I, it will inspire you. I hope, uh, I hope it's long enough. I hope we have enough time because I, I hate to... Uh, could probably do a whole hour or two on it. But, um, well, welcome. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here, the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight. Don't forget, if you want to receive, and people are now emailing me almost every morning. They reply to the email. <clears throat> Pardon me. I think they think, they may think if you reply to an email that's so uh, bountiful and so full of uh, truth and goodness, maybe the person who sent it to you, me, won't get it directly, like it goes into a clearinghouse or something. It goes right to me. And so every morning I get a, send this email out, the wink. We call it the daily wink, what you need to know. And um, we send it out at 5 a.m. Pacific time. It goes bam in your box when you wake up. If you're up early like me, you'll see it right then. If you're not up yet, when you wake up, there it is. And people are emailing, replying, and saying, this is really great. This is really valuable. This helps me cut through it. Today I had coffee with a woman. She said, I, I, it's just such a big help to have that in the morning. So if you want to get signed up to get the daily wink from yours truly, you got to go to edmartinlive.com, edmartinlive.com right now and sign up there. And I, here's my pledge. I will use your email to send you my email. In other words, I use your email address to send you the daily wink. I won't sell it to Jeff Bezos. I won't give it to Julian Assange. I won't trade it with Vladimir Putin. Nobody gets it. <coughs> Excuse me, except I got a cough. It's not the coronavirus, though, I promise. I mean, I did go to Wuhan for a long weekend, but I didn't, I didn't have any of the raw pork um, at the, uh, for, at the mar- open-air market. But, um, but I, won't, I won't do any. I won't give your email address to anyone. Okay, so you can rely on that, and you're going to want this. So go to edmartinlive.com, sign up there. And also, the best way, people are now texting me. There's three ways to reach me, and you can do it anytime, day or night. You can text me. And this is a direct line to my phone. If you text me right now, it will go to my phone. I don't take my phone to bed. I leave my phone downstairs. So I won't, if I'm sleeping, you won't get it. But I only sleep about 20 minutes a night. So if you, if you, if you want, you could text me 314-256-1776. 314-256-1776. The second way you can reach me is you can email me. Ed at edmartinlive.com. Ed at edmartinlive.com. 
<clears throat> pardon me, geez, Louise. Or you can go on social media at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, uh, Ed Martin Live on Facebook, and you can direct message. It all kicks through to my own phone and all that. I do my own mail. I do my own stuff. So you can get to me all those ways. And um, so don't, so feel free. And if you have feedback on the show, want to find out more, a lot of our stuff, a lot of the work we do, I, I do as the president of Phyllis Schlafly's organizations is available at phyllisschlafly.com. So do what you can to be connected. I'd love to hear from you more. And appreciate it all very much. All right. What do you need to know today? Well, oh man, I'm sorry. I got a bug or something. I'll get some water at the break. But I want to walk you through a very specific experience I had that I think will shed some light on what's going on with the coronavirus and with the management by America. And, And so let me just tell you a quick story. I was, as you know, many people know uh, that listen closely, I was chief of staff to the governor of Missouri. In fact, uh, governor of Missouri, Governor Matt Blunt. I spoke to him er, today. Yeah, I spoke to him earlier today for the first time in a, maybe a month or two since around Christmas. And he um, was he was governor. I was chief of staff, which is a really tough and exciting job. And I was new to it. And so when I became chief of staff, I got briefed on lots of stuff. And I did what you know smart people had taught me to do, which is ask a lot of questions, especially from people who had the job before so um there was uh, a guy named rich mcclure who had been chief of staff to governor john ashcroft in the 80s been a guy named Ch- uh, chip robertson who'd been chief of staff to uh, john ashcroft also ken mcclure actually a brother of rich mcclure had been chief of staff to matt blunt and a few other lots of others one of the people i asked was a guy named scott jensen who was from Wisconsin, and he was Tommy Thompson's chief of staff. And I asked for his advice, and all these folks had lots of good advice. But I remember Jensen telling me, Scott Jensen, saying, the challenge is the things you cannot foresee happening when you're governing, and and most of what will be important is how it appears you respond, less what actually happens. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, think about like a flood. You can't predict a flood. You can't know you're going to get a flood every term. You know, it's not like uh, the changing of the season. He said, you'll get an ice storm. You'll get a snowstorm. You can plan on that. You'll get some, uh, you know, you'll get some, uh, um, you know, drought for farmers and all. But you can't tell if the rivers are going to rise or tornado, which was prescient because we had a terrible tornado in Joplin, Missouri. And uh, but he said the key is you have to be ready to act and you have to be publicly willing to lead because people will look up and will react to what's happening based on what they see in the leadership. So all of that is a warm up to say what you saw today with President Trump going out and doing a press conference in the White House press room, which he hasn't used in forever, is because he knows they've done all the stuff they're supposed to do. There's no way they weren't doing the stuff they're supposed to do. You know, they closed off travel from China. They're tracking everything. They've got all these kinds of sophisticated tools and, and, and ways. But they needed to address the appearance and the concern that people are growing in that people have and is growing. And so do I think that the coronavirus is overblown? Yeah, it seems like it. It seems like the media is going too far. Do I think China's lying about what's happening? I definitely do. So we don't even really know the extent of it. And so it doesn't really matter what the truth is, you know, behind what, you know, is actually happening. What matters is how you lead and how it appears because people will get confidence and get, you know, get moving based on what they see. I think that's why the president had to do that. 
I think he had to come out and have some kind of public statement and make some actions and put some face to it. He appointed Vice President Pence as the sort of uh, coronavirus czar or whatever term you call it. And I think there are going to be some more pu- more public um, manifestations, actions uh, that will be become clearer to people. Here's what you need to know. I'd, I don't think at this point in our history, American history, that we have to worry about a pandemic taking out lots of people. I think it's a I think it's overblown at this point, but as always, there's going to be people that get sick. There's even going to be people that die. And the question is going to be how can uh the president lead? How can he do? What can he do? And then, frankly, how we react. And I do think, you know, we're going to see now, and the best on this is Mike Cernovich. You guys hear me all the time talk about him. Cernovich lives over in California, lives in Orange County. And Cernovich has been raising the uh, uh, the uh, cry, the alarm bells, over the, <coughs> pardon me, the number of, um, the number of Chinese uh, supply lines, supply chains, a chain of supply that we have for uh, pharmaceuticals, for other goods, you know, even down to the point where uh, the, the masks that people like to wear, you know, face masks for protecting are mostly made in China and they've stopped shipping them out. They're using them all um, for obvious reasons. So, you know, it, what it has revealed, and this is what I really want you to know. What Cernovich has pointed to and what we're seeing, including a drag on the economy, but let me make an observation. The, 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 Wall, the Wall Street is always looking for a way to adjust. You, if you talk to someone on Wall Street or an economist, they'll tell you you cannot have a superheated economy go up, 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 up. It's always got to adjust. It's got to come down a bunch and go back up. And as long as it doesn't come down too far and stay down, it's just sort of ratcheting. It's going to be fine. So that's one observation. But the second thing that Cernovich did, which is a great service, is he revealed, and it will be revealed to us, how much we rely on China for our supply chain of lots of stuff. And here's the thing. Here's what you need to know. And I mentioned this last night, uh, that the coronavirus has given us a reason to understand that we must break with China. Even in the White House, I talked to somebody in the White House today and, you know, uh, Peter Navarro, the the trade uh, leader in the White House for Trump, is gearing up and using this uh, crisis to say, hey, wait a second, we have to decouple, that's a word you're hearing more and more, from China. What you need to know is what started with the tariffs and started with fentanyl and started with the trade secrets and and the IP theft with China and their being unfair, the, the, the chickens have come home to roost. The chicken flu has come home to roost because America is going to decouple with China. We don't need them and we have to learn that we don't. And that's what you need to know. This is not going to this is going to lead to something good. We need to be careful about the sickness, but it's going to lead to something really good for America. And I'll talk a little bit later about an update on uh, General Spaulding's book, Stealth War. I got some folks that gave me some uh, feedback. All right, let's take a quick break, though. I want to come back. We're going to talk in a moment with Nathan Sullivan about the gift of life. You're going to want to hear this story. Come on back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Be right back. The Answer San Diego, streaming now on TuneIn.com and Radio.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Our next guest is somebody I've been looking forward to hearing from for weeks now. It feels a lot like longer. Nathan Sullivan had a story, has a story, that he told uh, last month uh, about life. 
And I think I'm just going to let Nathan let you start us out and tell us, uh, walk us through at least the first part of it before I mess it up by asking too many questions. So first of all, Nathan Sullivan himself, uh, he is uh, a businessman, uh, a graduate, I think it's of Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University's, uh, I don't know, science guy, tech guy and all. But that's what came to light for me was he had this incredible, has this incredible life. Uh, so welcome, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ed. Uh, how are you tonight? Uh, good to have you on. Yeah. So tell so tell me this. Set up our listeners who are uh, are are wondering who's Nathan Sullivan and and why uh, you know in the last month or so especially you've 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 been up on stage telling your story. Absolutely, and thanks for giving me the opportunity. So um, I am, you know, in, in, and this is really the crux of the matter. I'm just a regular guy. I'm an engineer. Um, and I've been able to have a great life, and I'm someone who's had a great life, uh, but I was conceived in rape. And hmm. why I've been able to tell my story and and how that's helped to, um, you know, inspire at least some people, I hope, uh, is because it's it's not about where we come from. It's not about... Um, the situations that we come from, but it's about what we do with our lives that actually makes a difference. And where I come from didn't define me. Uh, and being able to have this connection with my birth mother um, has been a, a great thing, too. So a little bit about my backstory. Um, I was born out on the West Coast in 1991. And... Um, was uh, placed for adoption and an open adoption. Very unusual at the time, even more unusual now, actually. And through that connection, uh, both being in a loving family growing up and also being in contact with my birth mother over the years, um, we've been able to, you know, kind of join those two families. And from what started out as a, as a horrible situation, um, it's really turned into quite a blessing for everyone involved. Uh, we're, we're talking with Nathan Sullivan, and, and Nathan, let me uh, let me fill in a little bit. So um, what I saw when I saw you up on stage was this young woman. I mean, she, her mom is young. She's um, Her name is Kathy Folan, and, and she's, I think, just maybe 50, a little less than 50, and she's up on stage. She looks like a kid, and you look like a man. I mean, you know, you look like, an, and you are, of course. But And so the story is that she was a victim of sexual assault and got pregnant, and her family said, you know, you know we'll support you, and, and she decided to give up. Uh, uh, you uh, to be adopted, and the extraordinary thing about this to me is to to see the two of you. And I should say that later on this uh, next month, we'll be down in Naples, Florida, with your grandmother, Kathleen Sullivan, who's how I came into this connection too. She's an old friend of mine, uh, and we'll do an event down there. Your mother will be there. You, I think, are going to be either it was Skype in or YouTube. But to see the two of you talk as a woman who she chose life. And then there you are, this big, vibrant guy who's talking about, you know, what your life is and who you are and all. It's pretty extraordinary. But, you know, um, Nathan, is um, what's it, you know, how does the, um, when you talk to people that have had abortion or that have got, believe abortions are right, which usually overlaps, they don't want to see the truth of it. And how, how has it been now to be a spokesman? Well, it's not like you're a spokesman, you're a walking you know, message of life. Is it, is it unsettling for people? Is it, is it positive? How, how, how's the experience been? I mean, most of the experience has been positive. Sure. There's a little bit of pushback, but 
I think what's really helpful is to be able to put a face on it. It's one thing to go up to someone and say, well, you should choose life for your child or you should choose life for your baby. And that's something that sometimes for, for a woman in that situation can be hard to see. But when you can put a face on it, you know, this is, this is who you're talking about. We're not talking about someone who hasn't been born yet. We're not talking about, you know, a debate in the abstract of, of a person out there, but we're talking about me. Right. And when we talk about right. the exceptions, um, even people in the pro-life movement who would make exceptions for rape, we're not talking about some, you know, person we don't know who it is. You're, we're talking about me. Right. It's uh, by the way, I finally found the page I had from your background because you are truly a total engineered, as my family says, because I'm I'm an English major. So engineers are like talking to an alien. And I got these pictures of you on your the uh, one of your work uh, in, uh, I don't know, aerial precision technology or something, all this engineering and technology stuff. It's really cool to see and very impressive. I, I mean, I, I'm half teasing you, but I mostly because I can't believe people smart like this. It's it's uh, what does so many things. But back to this uh, story. Nathan, do you ever wonder, I mean, when you hear people, you're human. So when, you know, you're normal, you're, and so do you ever say to yourself, hey, you know, when you so easily say, let's just make it, you know, in the case of rape, we have to have uh, uh, abortion for people. Do you, I mean, is it, you must sometimes even get angry, right? I mean, it's people that are arguing against how many Nathan Sullivans are gone. Millions are gone because people didn't know what was possible. And, and the numbers say it's over half. It's certainly disheartening. Um, and, yeah. you know, friends and acquaintances, people that, you know, don't know my backstory have made those comments over the years. And, you know, I, I will say this of the people who do know my backstory, of the people that I've known for years, um, I don't see that as much. And I don't know if it's just because they don't want to say it to me. I'm sure that had something to do with it. But a lot of it is because people have never put a face to it before. They've never realized what they're actually talking about. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Nathan Sullivan, and I'll, I'll put up on uh, social media this article and the link to some of the talks. It's uh, uh, powerful. Uh, Nathan, one last, I want to go down one last path for a second. Adoption. You know, I happen and I've never met you in person, but I met your dad. I mean, your 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 father, the man who raised you. I've met your grandmother and your father and your mother, the one that raised you. These are spectacular people whose life is just monstrously full because they were able to adopt you. And I guess one of the things that other other parts of this is it's sort of it's become a little unfashionable in America to not realize if you know there's lots of kids that could be adopted right that and that's not always simple it's not always easy as you said but it man it's um it gives life in its own way i guess how do you you must be like the walking embodiment of also of how uh adoption can be great so it's something to look at the in the 1970s, the numbers were about 90,000 children per year were placed for adoption. Uh, now it's less than uh, less than 18,000. So we're down to about a, a fifth of what it used to be. And wow. when you look at the, the potentials that are out there, and, and that's not all lost to abortion. I mean, there's a lot of uh, single mothers who are choosing to raise their own children. But... You know, they think of those as the only two options. They think of abortion or raising their child as the only two options. And 
it's definitely, as you said, it's fallen out of fashion, the, the concept of adoption. But there are way more families looking to adopt than there are children placed for adoption. So that option is not just something that um, could be the best option for the child, but it, it could be a real blessing for their family, their adopted family as well. Yeah, you know, there's so many things I wish and I hope and I think that'll happen in as we go into this period of time, you know, so many so much technology is better and all, but I think we have to sort of recover and rediscover this these notions of things like adoption, you know, make it a make it attractive. I mean, if you went and I'll see her next month and I'll ask her when you talk to uh, your birth your birth mom, Kathy Folan, I bet you she'll say it's the best thing that could have happened to me is to not get an abortion. This is how it worked out, right? So it's um well, listen, Nathan Sullivan, keep us in informed and uh, come back on the show as you find more. I know you're going to be uh, doing some, we got to, you're busy trying to do whatever these things are, drones and things and technology. So I'm trying to, I don't know what you're doing, but you also, you're going to be an advocate for life and adoption. So when you get a chance, come back on and tell us how, how it's going. And uh, I hope you'll, you ought to write, you ought to try to write at least, uh, you know, the a chapter in your memoir on this period of, of sort of coming to publicly be so uh, clear on this. Cause I think it's really important to, for people to, uh, in lots of different ways, learn your story and understand it for themselves. So thank you for doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Nathan, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep you in the loop, and I'll put it up on social media. We'll take a, take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. FM 96.1 North County. And AM 1170 San Diego. The Answer. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Let's do a little uh, journalism uh, uh, review here, a little journalism review, and catch you up to date on a very important uh, aspect of what's going on with the fake news and with the future of journalism. Project Veritas and our old friend James O'Keefe have struck again. Uh, And as usual, Project Veritas has these sort of elaborate rollout they they roll these things out over a few days and so in almost uh, always there is um the the subjects of these rollouts um end up doing something on the front end to try to get in front of it uh, in this case abc news suspended a journalist his name is i think it's david wright um yes david wright and uh he he was suspended by um uh, abc news and then, um, by the way, it's not the baseball player. There is a baseball player named David Wright, played for the Mets for forever. Not forever, but for a long time. Great player. And uh, he uh, it's not that David Wright, different one, journalist. So David Wright suspended by ABC because he was caught on tape. And what has come out now, and just in, in the last 15 hours, is Project Veritas has uh, these hidden camera videos. And it includes David Wright, this reporter for ABC, uh, basically identifying himself as a socialist, uh, a, um, uh, a Bernie Sanders uh, sort of supporter, uses uh, lots of negative terms against President Trump, and on and on and on. Now, here's the, um, here's the thing I'd say. A, there's a couple things. Let me, let me make three points. Number one. 
Project Veritas and James O'Keefe are a national treasure. They are a national treasure. We should recognize it. He has consistently done stuff, work that most people won't do, are afraid of doing, can't do. And he's done it for about, well, 13 or 14 years. James, he's young still, but he's his team is fearless. I know enough about the inside of how it works to know that it's painstaking. It's it's um, not easy. There's challenges, legal and otherwise. It's a big deal. He's a very important uh, a person in America because... Nobody owns him. He's not funded by one interest group, Conservative Inc. He's not anything. He's just driven to be a truth teller. He really sees himself as a a a part of uh, the American freedom movement to tell the truth and get to the truth. So he's extraordinary. That's number one. Number two, he uh, these undercover uh, cameras, these videos. It it's hard to to um, it's hard not to think that the future is going to be sort of all known. You know, you're not going to get away with, um, you know, kind of hiding some of these kinds of things that he uncovers, whether it's the conduct, original conduct of Acorn, uh, some of the Planned Parenthood videos, uh, CNN videos, these videos. I mean, it's it it just more and more we're going to know everything that's going on, which is daunting, actually, and quite frightening. Um, But the third thing, and this is really the most important part of this to me. Is, and I follow a guy named Glenn Greenwald. You may know Glenn Greenwald. He's a uh, he, he's the founder of The Intercept, which is an online journal. He's written, uh, I don't know, all over the country. He lives in, in, in Brazil now. I have very little in common with him in terms of our politics. He's, I think he's a sort of libertarian, uh, very left, though, on social issues. He's an animal um, lover, times, you know, gone over the moon, all this kind of stuff. Uh, married to a, a, a man from Brazil, all that. But Greenwald is a great writer, and he's fearless in addressing the left and the right. And he's a little bit like Matt Taibbi to me. And here's what Glenn Greenwald wrote. He wrote this. He says this as a tweet from a, a few days ago. Um uh, no, uh, earlier today, relating, uh, responding to the David Wright ABC uh, Project Veritas story. And Greenwald writes this, journalistic objectivity is a massive fraud and everyone knows it. Forcing journalists to force a falsehood down the throats of news consumers that we're all free of opinions. It damages the credibility of journalism. Truthful journalism is much more vibrant, interesting, and reliable. And then he goes to to, uh, to uh, link to the tweet about ABC suspending David Wright. Here's what I think he means. And this is what I think has been shown. For a long time now, the media has lied to the American people and said, we're, you know, totally objective. We don't, you know, we're the, we're the virtuous ones. We're above, we're higher than you. We're on a higher plane. We're just the ones that are so enlightened. We're, uh, we were without, uh, you know, we're, we're totally objective. We're without biases. And they, they have made that into a religion. And the religion is a lie. Like most false religions, it's a lie. And so it's not only, um, dishonest and and uh, disingenuous and misleading it leads to hollowness and emptiness and patheticness and wretchedness and what greenwald said and what abc news shows is not that that not that every person isn't um every person has biases it's like when we talked about peter strock and the fbi you don't expect i don't expect the um human beings that work at the fbi to not have biases but you expect them at that level 
to be able to manage it. And if they can't control their biases, if they can't control themselves, then you have a problem and you can't be in that you can't be entrusted with that responsibility, for example. When it comes to the media, the fact that so many people are lying about their objectivity, the fact that so many people are 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 giving slogans to uh to the uh you know to the uh, to what they're doing and, you know, kind of sanctimoniously saying, remember the, the, um, the, uh, Washington Post has their figure, democracy dies in darkness because the Washington Post is going to shine the light. Except the Washington Post is, is just awash with, you know, biases and, and bottom feeders and dishonesty. So here's the solution. The solution is more, not less. James O'Keefe. The solution is more, not less, acknowledgement of the wretchedness of a lot of the news sources. And then on the other side, you have people being more honest. Guys like Tucker Carlson now, when you watch it, people say, well, is Tucker Carlson opinion or news? He's, he's not hiding his viewpoint, but he's delivering what's going on. And that's much cleaner then lying about it. It reminds me, by the way, about a lefty, a left wing friend of mine who said he loves Bloomberg because Bloomberg is the first guy who's not hiding how he's using money from all sorts of sources. He's just saying, hey, I'm spending all my money. I'm spending hundreds of millions of dollars. And at least he's sort of up front, as my friend said. I don't really agree. But uh, but back to this. Watch the Project Veritas story over the next day or two. And here's one tip pro tip. It will disappear. Even Fox News won't cover it. And the reason, I think, is because Project Veritas is a threat to all the media. The true, the truth tellers like James O'Keefe are a threat to all the media, even the conservative media who want to get who get wrapped up in the in the sort of swamp vibe of we're the truth tellers and we'll talk across to each other. You may talk liberal. I'll talk conservative. No, no. We need to blow the whole thing apart and get back to telling the truth. And having the opinions and still delivering the facts, but not being afraid to, uh, to, to have those opinions. So it's a very interesting time. It's a very interesting time. And, 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 uh, and James O'Keefe has been really great to, uh, to know and watch and see what's going on. It's important. That's an important one. And look for the up and comers. One of the things that I've been saying for a couple of years is Twitter is now, um, a part of our governance. It is the sort of public marketplace. And you can't really understand what's happening without going on to Twitter and seeing the shape and contour of guys like Jack Posobiec and Mike Cernovich and others. They're uh, journalists now in a way that is different than anything we've ever seen, and it's better. It's better. All right, we better take a break. Um, we'll come back, and we got another segment. We'll wrap things up. We're going to be at CPAC tomorrow, though. We're going to be at CPAC in the swamp, not of the swamp. Andrea Kane, I'll do both. We're going to do both our shows together, so two hours together uh, tomorrow and Friday. So look forward to that. Uh, we'll take a quick break and come right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be right back. Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and radio.com. Can you eat solar energy? Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening. And uh, let's wrap things up. You know, I kind of save till this part of the show these catch-all pieces. Um, sometimes things that I either forgot to get to or um, someone sent me. 
So here's a couple of stories, and, and these are going to you're going to sense a theme around these. Uh, but first of all, in the New York Times uh, yesterday or two days ago, there was a piece written, uh, and the headline reads this way: As Trump barricades the border, legal immigrant immigration is starting to plunge. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, what's interesting about this is a lot of us that have thought we need to stop legal immigration have we, I've been I've been arguing that we should have a pause on all immigration period that we have had so many people come in illegally and even legally that it's time to have a pause and and for two reasons one is assimilate get people to assimilate and not keep introducing new people it takes some time and two uh, let's find out who's here Let's actually find out who's here. But it's interesting that the president's uh, policy, I don't know whether it's cause and effect, but I do think that um, the president's policy, I, well, let me say it differently. I don't think that the, the border wall is what caused legal immigration to stop or to decrease. It's just silly. What is, um, <clears throat> what is true is that the president's also got policies that are saying, um, you know, like the public charge policy we talked about yesterday or the day before, that the president, his policies have been, hey, if you are going to come, you've got to obey all the rules. If you are going to come, you've got to be able to stand on your own two feet. If you are going to come, you can't have had uh, crimes and other problems in your past uh, that would preclude you, you know, that we're going to make a decision of who we want. Also, I think the president has made it clear that the um, that the policies uh, may be changing, may be getting more restrictive. So all those things, it has nothing to do with the border wall. The border wall doesn't affect legal immigration. It's the other policies President Trump has. And the other, the willingness of President Trump to say, we're not going to have a um, incoherent policy. We're going to attract people. We're going to, you know, the, President Trump is not with me. I'm, I'm for no immigration. I'm for a, a pause on all immigration for a while. As I mentioned, for assimilation, as well as to see how many people are here. President Trump isn't with me on that. Not at all. He's, he's definitely, um, he's not um, uh, as, as hardline as I am. He's saying, we're going to make sure that we have the people that we want to come in, not, you know, other people that we don't want. That, that's, that's totally, totally not only rational, but I think normal and, and balanced. All right, so um, here's another uh, good story on immigration. Uh, it bro uh, came out yesterday. Uh, the Trump administration has, um, again, has had these um, efforts to uh, stop sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that are, are doing things against the law. In other words, saying, hey, um, you know, we're not going to enforce the federal law on immigration especially. And so the uh, Department of Justice said, well, if you're not going to uh, enforce the law, you're not going to be eligible to get federal grants. I mean, if we're, we're giving out federal grants to uh, local jurisdictions that are working with us on things that are a priority, that seems commonsensical. You know, would you demand that the Department of Interior give out grants to entities that were disrespecting the EPA laws? So let's say that there's clean water laws in, in the, in, in, under federal law. And the, in, along comes a group and they say, hey, we're applying for some of those cool grants from the Department of Interior. But we decided we're going to flout the laws on clean water. Well, you wouldn't give them grants. Even if you couldn't move to enforce against them, you wouldn't give them grants. That's all the Department of Justice said. The Department of Justice said, if you don't take care of the laws that are passed that are part of your community, we're not going to give you money. We're not going to give you grants. We're not going to give you access to these uh, grant programs. Seems 
pretty darn reasonable to me. Seems pretty commonsensical to me. Well, yesterday, the second uh, district court of appeals, federal court of appeals over in New York uh, had taken up one of these suits that a lower court had said, uh, you can't do this. And the court of appeals said, of course, you can do it. Of course, you can say we're going to have discretion over who gets grants from the federal court, from the federal uh, Department of Justice based on who's working with us on the laws we say are priority. So, again, my point here is that you, the, the New York Times and others are, oh, demagogue, oh, the president wants to barricade the bar- barrier, the b- barricade the, bo- the border. It's going to cause some great thing. Well, that's not what it is. What is changing the way people think and act regarding immigration is the policies the president has put into effect. It has a huge effect. It has a huge effect. And my argument would be that this is not only the right thing to do, it's popular. I think that more Americans that are Democrats, that are independents, that are not, whatever, they're looking up saying, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. You know, there was uh, one of the listeners um, uh, sent me a tweet from a couple days ago. Uh, Maybe it was earlier today. Uh, I think it's um, uh, Judy. Judy from San Diego, actually. San Diego sent me this tweet. Ryan Fournier on Twitter. He's a pretty good guy to follow. And uh, he tweeted this. And it's um, he said, look, this is the tweet. Eight elected officials in Mississippi have just announced they're changing their party affiliation from Democrat or independent. And they're becoming Republican. This isn't going to be the last you hear of something like this. This is amazing. This is Ryan Fournier, who is a um, students for Trump guy, or actually kind of a real activist on, on Twitter, got almost a million followers. Uh, but that's right. He's right. And think of that. That's news. Have you heard that news, by the way? You hear everything else in the news. Have you heard that eight elected officials changed party in, uh, in, in Mississippi and became Republican? That's because the policies are broadly popular. I'm telling you, the media doesn't want to let you know. The media wants you to be, conf- you know, be, oh, thing, oh, it's is it demagoguery. It's a, no, no, it's not at all. It's not at all. The president's policies, which are the policies now of the Republican Party and most of the Republicans in the House and Senate. Some aren't. Uh, some aren't on board as much, but they're mostly on board with the president. That's, these are the policies. These are it, it's very, very successful uh, because it's popular with people and uh, and very real in terms of the uh, in terms of the success uh, that is um, that is bringing people uh, forward. All right. One. Uh, oh, here's a I did get this from the president's uh, own office from the White House that um, about the same thing about the sanctuary cities fight, uh, which is a big one. All right. Uh, let's see. To, uh, later this week, I think it's this week or next week, I will get an update from one of the state senators who is um, uh, running uh, uh, for governor of Virginia, but she's in the state Senate in Virginia, conservative Republican. Her name is Amanda Chase. Senator Chase will join us. It may be later this week. It could be next week uh, to give us an update on what they're doing in Virginia, the Democrats, and what she's doing to try to stop it. And then what is what she thinks, and I tend to agree with her, she's very smart, is going to be the uh, whipsaw back against the Democrats for going so far. We'll see if she's right. Uh, The the governor's race in Virginia will be 2021. It's one of the off-year elections uh, that's not off-off year. It's kind of November of 2021, just a year after the 2020 November election. So we'll see what happens. That's a long way off. But she did announce that because she's so worried about what's happening. So Senator Amanda Chase, we'll talk with her later this week and get an update on Virginia. Uh, One more thing. Uh, One of our listeners, uh, Lucia, Lucia sent me, uh, who listens, she listens from Texas, uh, streaming at TheAnswerSanDiego.com. And also, I think maybe also the podcast. She sent me this article, um, 
the United States uh, U.S. new home sales, new home sales, which is a measure of the economy, hit a 12 and a half year high in January, 12 and a half year high in January. I guess what they say is when you see um, new homes being built, um, it means a lot of things. One of the things it means is you're able to get through the permits. You're able to get through all these things. And it's kind of an indication of uh, sustained um, uh, positive uh, economic forecast. Um, so that's interesting news. Now, you kind of wonder, um, that was January. That This is a survey from January. We'll see if some of the slowdown that's happening because of coronavirus uh, kicks in and has an impact. I, I tend to think it won't. Maybe for this uh, quarter, there may be something, but I don't think it's a big deal. All right. Well, thank you, as always, for listening. Don't forget, you can get the show wherever you get podcasts. You can find the show. Search for the uh, Pro-America Report. Our old name of the of the uh, show was called The Ed Martin Movement, so sometimes people will find it both ways. Uh, but where you get iTunes, Google Play, all that, you can find our program. Thank you, as always, for listening uh, through the AnswerSanDiego.com. I will be at CPAC tomorrow uh, with Andrea Kay and also Friday, which will be really fun. We'll do two hours together. Uh, it'll be hopping and uh, be a blast. So look forward to uh, all of that. CPAC is in Maryland, just outside of uh, the swamp in Washington, D.C., uh, and uh, that'll be tomorrow and Friday. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our technical director, and Joanna for producing Out of the Heart of America in St. Louis. I will look forward to uh, talking with you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here the Pro-America Report. Thanks for listening.